worshiping in God's house and together. We're um, uh, in the midst of a series called Moving Forward. Uh, and I want to I wanna just, before I jump right in, um, just tell you that this series is not about uh, the church at West Lonsdale. Um, it's not about you know what we can do in painting the picture of where we're headed and and all of that. It's not about growing the church numerically um, or, or making us bigger. That's not the goal of this year. The focus of this year is not to add people to the congregation. It'd be great if we added people to the congregation. That would be wonderful. It's always good to see new faces. It's always good to 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 you know expand what we're doing. But this series is about you. And it's about me. And this series is about what God can do and wants to do in your individual life. It's about what God wants to do in, in my individual life. And, and about us moving forward from where we're at in our relationship with Him right now. I, you know, every time I preach a message or every time I preach a series, God is talking to me throughout that message or throughout that series. <clears throat> Sometimes he'll speak to me, but he'll say, this is the message that I, that I want for you to give to the crowd that you're speaking to today, whether it's you all or whether it's a group of students or whether it's a, you know, another group of, of leaders or something like that. But every now and then he'll give me a series and he'll say, this is for you. And while you're going through it, share it with everybody else. Um, every now and then he'll say, "This is Todd, this is what I need you to hear and share it with everybody else while you're going through it, while you're working through it, while you're getting through it. And that's what this series is about. This, this series is about um, us as, as individual believers deciding that the status quo is not enough, deciding that what we've always been is, is not enough. For many of us, if we look back at 2019 and we compare our spiritual walk and our spiritual life in 2019 to our spiritual walk and spiritual life in 2018, they look probably very similar. And, and the same with 2017 and the same with 2016 and 2015 and so on and so on and so on. And, and the problem with that is that a lot of us have become quite comfortable with that. I, I've become quite comfortable with that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm at. I believe what I believe in God. I believe what I believe in Jesus. I believe what I believe in the resurrection. I, I believe what I believe in, in the church. And that's enough. That's good enough. That's far enough. I can stop there. I can stop there. Um, but the reality is, is that stagnancy in our relationship with Christ, that's not God's plan. That's... That's Satan's plan. Like He wants for us to be satisfied with where we're at in our relationship with Christ. Paul talks about constantly pushing forward, constantly running the race, constantly moving towards the prize that Christ has set in front of us. And, and so for us to say, well, it's good enough. Like My, my relationship is good enough. Go, gentlemen, go home to your wife today. Look her in the eyes. And with all the heart and love you can muster, say, our relationship's good enough. And see how she responds. 
It's, it's good enough. They're like, it's, it's fine. There's nothing we need to fix. There's nothing we need to improve upon. There's nothing that I need to do better. There's nothing that you need to do better. There's, you know, it's good enough. Let's just leave it there. It's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad day, right? But we're satisfied with that and our relationship with Christ. And so we've started this series and, and we looked at how we need to be moving forward individually towards God's will for us. And we looked at steps for, for finding and discovering God's will for our own personal life. And we followed that up last week with the fact that God does have a plan for each and every one of us. And that plan has, has unknown depths to it. It's, it's, it's complicated and it's deep and it's intricate and it's a plan that we'll constantly have to be working on and we'll never just go there it is I've figured out God's plan for my life and it's done and I've finished and now I can just rest God's plan is constantly changing for our lives he's never done with us he's never finished with us we're never too old we're never too uh, far out there we're never too far gone we're never too too complicated or we're never too simple it's there's always an evolving plan from God in our life and this week I want us to see the idea that we need to recognize his role we need to recognize Christ's role in our life not what we think it should be or or not what we want it to be but what it is there is a very definitive role as believers that Christ plays in our life there's a very de definitive role that He plays. But we have to recognize it in our lives. We can't categorize Him. We can't separate Him. We can't remove Him from part of the equation. We have to recognize that He wants to be the whole of our lives. The completeness of our lives. He doesn't want to be the center of our life. He wants to be every part of our life. Jesus doesn't want to be isolated as the, 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 the mantle in which we hang everything else on. He wants to be everything else in our life. It's not enough. not enough to just say I believe in Jesus it's not enough we must accept Christ's role in our life and not rebel against it we're rebellious people aren't we Things in life that we just like to rebel against. Putting on our seatbelt. This morning we got in the car. We all climbed in. Dalton looked at Riley and he said, put on your seatbelt. You'll go flying through the windshield. That's my greatest fear. I didn't know that was Dalton's greatest fear in life was someone going through the windshield. But it's his greatest fear. We rebel against that. Now, especially those of us who grew up in a time when it wasn't illegal not to wear your seatbelt. And now... They tell us we have to wear our seatbelt. They don't just tell us we have to wear our seatbelt. They design our cars so that we can't drive them without our seatbelt being on. The seatbelt either 
retracts itself and puts it on us as if it's smarter than I am. Or it won't play my radio. My car, the radio stops playing if you don't put your seatbelt on. It dings. It makes noises. It does all kinds of things. It won't be long before they just shut down and they won't drive if you don't have your seatbelt on. We want to rebel against that. So we find ways to get around it. I have a friend who was shot through the window of a car when she was 15 years old going into her sophomore year of high school. Same fr another friend in the same accident was shot through the sunroof of a car, that same car, in an accident. We want to rebel against everything that is good for us and everything that is designed to protect us and everything that Christ wants to put in our life. And we want to rebel against it and rebel against it and rebel against it. And then when tragedy happens, when difficult times strike, when pain comes into our life, we want to look at God and go, Why, God? <laughs> Why? And he says, because you didn't wear your seatbelt. Put your seatbelt on. We have to recognize God's role in our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at that. What is God's role in our life and how do we recognize it in our life? We have to, first of all, acknowledge the free gift that He gave us. We have to acknowledge the free gift that Christ put in our lives. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-9. through 9. It says God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I love, I love, I love. Go back to verse 8 there, Tyler, if you don't care. Just flip back. I want to read through that again. I love this translation of it. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Now listen to verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Christ gave us a free gift. That free gift was salvation. We have to recognize that free gift in our life. We have to live as if we have received a free gift. As if we've received a gift. A gift is free. We call it a free gift all the time. The free gift of salvation. If it's not free, it's not a gift. Right? If it's not free, it's not a gift. Have you ever sat through Christmas... You're sitting there around the tree with your parents and you open up all the gifts. And at the end of it, when you've opened up all your gifts, you're looking at your gifts and you're just like so in there, you're just enthralled with everything you got. You're over the top about everything you got. And then your dad slips you a piece of paper. And you go, What's that? And he says, It's the bill for all of your Christmas gifts. What? Yeah. You've never been charged for your Christmas gifts before because they're gifts, right? They're gifts. They don't call. When you go on a cruise, how many of you have ever been on a cruise? When you go on a cruise, they don't call your dinner a gift. They call it dinner. You know why? Because you paid for it. Like we go, oh my gosh. Like I love cruises. My favorite thing about cruises is eating. I'm like, man, you can eat all you want. It's free. It's not free. I pay a fortune for it. But I, like, I pay a lot of money for it. I could feed my family for a year on what I pay for one cruise fare. 
But man, I'm like, this is, it's, you know, it's free. It's not free. I paid for it. If it's a gift, I don't have to pay for it. Christ didn't give us the free gift of salvation. He gave us the gift of salvation. And it doesn't cost us anything. But we need to acknowledge that in our lives. We need to, we need to acknowledge, when, when someone gives us something, we acknowledge them for it. When someone gives us a gift, we say what? Thank you. And then we show our appreciation for it by our use of it. Like when, when someone gives us a gift, we go, oh, thank you so much. And then we put it in the closet and we leave it there. We're not expressing, we're not acknowledging our thankfulness for that gift. But when we say thank you and then we wear it, or we use it, or we drive it, or we, we talk about it, or we share it with others, we're acknowledging the receipt of that gift. In the same way with Jesus. I listened to a sermon this week and, and it was about Barabbas. And, and something about it resonated with me. I want us to look at this real quick in Matthew chapter 27. Beginning with verse 16, it says, This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. This is the story of the trial of Jesus with Pilate. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. And just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message, leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back, Barabbas! Give us Barabbas! And so Pilate, according to the law, released Barabbas into the crowd. We hear all kinds of stories, all kinds of made up responses of Barabbas to the release that he got because of Jesus. Jesus literally took His place. We talk a lot about Jesus taking our place on the cross. We're speaking figuratively. I never have been or never will be destined for a cross. It is not used as punishment anymore. There's never been any danger of me being hung on a cross. So when I speak of, of Jesus taking my place, I'm speaking figuratively of Him giving His life so that I can receive life. But He took Barabbas' place on the cross. Not figuratively, but literally. And we make up stories. People have written stories forever about Barabbas and how he probably lived out his life and how he probably you know, was changed forever because of the grace and the love and the sacrifice of Jesus. But the reality is, is that's probably not true. Barabbas probably ended his life the same way he lived his life. Rebellious, murderous, evil, defiant. Because nowhere in Scripture do we see Barabbas acknowledge the gift that he received due to the sacrifice of Jesus. Don't you think that if Barabbas changed who he was, God would have included that in the story? 
so we could go look at what happened to Barabbas. It can happen to me too. But instead, Barabbas skirtailed out of there as quickly as he could so that he could return to the life that he thought he had lost. And probably never changed a thing. He never acknowledged Jesus' sacrifice. He never acknowledged Jesus' gift. We never hear from His life again. We can only speculate. We can only guess. We can only wonder. And it's hard to live a grateful life when we act like that which we should be grateful for has never happened. When we live a life that doesn't acknowledge the sacrifice of Jesus in it, when we live a life that doesn't acknowledge the change that Jesus has given to us, the chance that Jesus has given to us, the life that Jesus has given to us, when we fail to acknowledge that with the life that we live on a daily basis, then it's hard to be grateful for it on a daily basis. It's hard to wake up every morning and go, thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me when I was lost. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me when I was walking off the cliff. And you caught me. And you held me up. And you saved me. I'm terrified of heights. It's not really heights that bother me. It's falling from heights that bother me. It's the thought of uncontrolled falling. I was watching a video yesterday or day before yesterday of these things that happen all across the world. They're thrilling adventure things across the world that people can do, that people pay to do. And part of me was terrified watching it and part of me couldn't look away. Like my stomach was in knots I was sweating a little bit. I was sitting there going, oh, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. But part of me was like, I have to finish this video. And it was, it was like this gore. Like, you know where the, imagine, has anybody been up to the, you don't have to raise your hand for this. I know sometimes I ask you to raise your hand. But if you've been to the Skywalk up in Gatlinburg, imagine a gorge like twice that height. You know, like a huge gorge. And, and there's these, there's two lines going across the top and then there's these ropes coming down and there's these planks of wood, but they're not connected to each other. And there's space in between them. And so you're, you're way up in the air and you've got this harness on with this, this rope clipped on that's supposed to save you if you fall. And, and there's these planks and they're swinging and they're moving and you're having to step from one to the other and walk from one side to the other side. And people were panicking halfway across. People, they were having to come out and get them. And there was another one where it was like a rope bridge with outsides and then big spaces in between the planks. And people were having to jump from one plank to the other. And I thought, why would you pay to do that? Like, I couldn't do that if, I had, if it was to save my life. I would just be like, this is it. There's no hope. This is the end. I like to fancy myself Indiana Jones, but Indiana Jones, I am not. I'm terrified of the thought of falling. And yet, when we fell in our lives, when we fell as, as people, Jesus was there to catch us and set us back up. And we have to acknowledge that gift of salvation that Jesus gave to us daily in our lives. But not only must we acknowledge the gift of Christ, but we must trust the power of Christ in our lives. We have to trust His power. 
in our life. Jeff said it earlier, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not that I can do all things. There's, there's lots of things that I can't do. But with the power of Christ, there's nothing that I can't accomplish. But we have to recognize and trust His power in our life. Look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29 says, Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures and therefore you don't know the power of God. It was the power of God that split the sea and dried the ocean floor. It was God's power that caused the sun to stop in the sky. It was God's power that allowed a small teenage boy to slay the most, the most savage warrior in the world at the time. The power of God and the mistake of not trusting it. We have to live like the power of the ultimate champion of the universe is living inside of us and through us and stop trying to figure out life on our own. We have to stop trying to fix our problems ourselves. Stop trying to climb out of our own self-made pits of brokenness and despair and worry and struggle because we can't do it on our own. But yet, Christ gives us the power to overcome the struggles and the failures and the pitfalls of this life. Those things that we will constantly find ourselves falling into and trying to climb out of. Christ gives us the power to overcome them. But we have to trust His power and stop trusting ourselves. We have to trust that He is always trying to speak to us and not assume He's trying to speak to someone else. We must always work on the knowledge and work with the attitude that the power of the infinite, omnipotent, all-powerful God of the universe wants to do something with our life. And not just overlook it. That I am somebody, not because of what I can do, not because of what I have accomplished, but because of what Christ accomplished and what He wants to accomplish through me. If I'll just let Him. If I just trust His power to do it. If I just trust that He wants to do that and those things with me. So we have to acknowledge the free gift of Christ in our lives. We must trust the power of Christ in our life. But lastly, we must recognize that Jesus is enough. He's enough. Enough for what? For everything. There is nothing that Jesus is not enough for. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Is it in there? I didn't get it in there? How did I not get that in there? I must not have hit save. I can't even read the small print in this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I may need somebody to come up here and read it for me. 
But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. My power perfected in weakness. We must recognize that Jesus is enough no matter what the world tries to sell us because life is tough and it's filled with heartache and it's filled with disappointment and it's filled with failure and we were born into failure because we were born into sin. But unlike walking, unlike talking, unlike eating on our own, we won't just shake sin. We won't just grow out of it. It matures. It it marinates. And it mutates in our lives. Sin, if it's left unchecked, will break us. And we can't break it on our own. We aren't enough. Our jobs aren't enough. Our, our grades and our education and our degrees and our diplomas aren't enough. Our families aren't enough. Our homes and our cars and our credibility is not enough. But Satan will stroke our egos and he'll whisper to us, it's okay. You're enough. He'll whisper in our greatest moments of weakness. He'll whisper in our greatest moments of failure, it's okay. You're enough. You don't need anyone else. You don't need anything else. You certainly don't need God. You're enough. But we're not even enough to fight back against Satan. He is greater than us. He is stronger than us. The gates of hell are stronger than we are. The gaze of Satan is stronger than we are. The grip of Satan is stronger than we are. But, but, Jesus is greater than Him. He is no match for Jesus. Many times in our minds, we picture Jesus and Satan going round and round like Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. Toe for toe. Blow for blow. Staggering back and struggling through to the end until Jesus finally raises His hands victorious over a fallen Satan. But that's not the case at all. Satan never stood a chance He has never stood toe-to-toe with God once. He doesn't possess it within Himself. God is greater. He is greater. And He is enough. It's not Rocky versus Balboa. It's Tom versus Jerry. You know what I mean? Tom tries every day to get Jerry and he knows he's going to fail. He knows Jerry's smarter. He knows he's faster. He knows he's more creative. He knows he can fit places that Tom can't fit. But yet he tries day after day after day after day and failure is his every single time he tries. And that's Satan versus God. Every day he tries and he fails. Fails every time he comes up against him. 
He falls short every time he comes up against him. And he knows he'll fail. He knows he's already failed. And he knows in the end he'll fail. But he keeps trying. And he keeps trying. And he keeps trying. And he keeps trying. Let me tell you this. If someone who has never been successful in a business a day in their life, all they've ever done is fail. All they've ever done is stolen from every job they've ever had. All they've ever done is taken what others have given them. And they come to you and they go, I want to offer you a job. Leave your job of of your pension and your insurance and your car that it provides you and all the prestige it provides you and all of the, the, the perks that it provides you and the finances that it provides you. And come with me as I start this new venture. I've never been successful a day in my life. All I've ever done is taken. All I've ever done is done what is wrong and done what's not right. Come with me. How many of you would take that job offer? None of us. But yet we do it on a daily basis. When Satan says, you're enough, come follow me. Come with me. It'll be okay. It'll be alright. Don't worry about what God wants. He just wants to stifle you. Don't worry about what God wants. He doesn't want you to be successful. Don't worry about what God wants. He doesn't really love you. Come with me. Satan is a failure in everything he's ever done. Why would we give to him what is rightfully God's to have? Our life, our actions, our thoughts, the process of daily living. Why would we waste a moment listening to Satan as he whispers in our ear, you're enough. We're not enough. But Jesus is enough. He's enough to overcome our failures. He's enough to overcome our deficiencies. He's enough to overcome the parts of our life where our education, our accomplishments, our abilities aren't enough. His power doesn't stop there though. His power restores life to the broken. It puts marriages back together. It heals disease. Diseases and sicknesses that modern medicine with all of its advancements can't touch. And yet Christ can make them disappear like that. It even overcomes death. And yet we want to think that we're enough. But His power is sufficient. It's sufficient for my failures. It's sufficient for my weakness. It's sufficient in my doubt. It's sufficient in my arrogance. It's sufficient in my ignorance. It's simply enough. It always has been. It always will be. And it will never stop being enough. Jesus is enough. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And if you believe it, do you act on it? You want to move forward? In 2020, you want 2020 to be more than 2019 was? You want 2020 to, to hold more promise than 2019 did? Our 2019 ended terrible in the Halliburton house. We had a really bad end to our 2019. It just seemed like it was one thing on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other, right there at the end. It wasn't good. I want 2020 to be better than 2019. But not because of the setbacks that we may have felt. Not because of the tragedy that we may have experienced. But I want 2020 to be better than 2019. Because in 2020, on every day, 365 of them, I woke up and said, this morning God, You are enough. You're enough! 
And I will acknowledge You in my daily life. And I will trust Your power in my daily life. And I will move forward knowing that You're enough. Do you believe it? Are you acting on it? Is He enough in your life? Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we just come to You right now, Lord. And God, I thank You for who You are. I thank You for what You've done. I thank You for what You gave. I thank You for what You offer. And Jesus, right now, would I say thank You. Thank You for the life that You gave to me. Thank You for the life that You took from me. Because when You gave me life and direction and purpose and path, God, You took from me the life and the direction and the path that I was creating for myself. Thank You for giving me something better. Thank You for giving me something more. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't acknowledge it in the way that I should. Jesus, this morning, I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here that's never received that life that You gave to me, and that You've given to so many others in this room, Lord, if there's anyone here who says, you know what, I've never, I've never received that life, that this morning, God, they would say yes to You. This morning, that they would say, Jesus, my sin is my greatest failure. Please take it away from me. Forgive me of it and save me. Jesus, I pray for those that are in the room that know You. Lord, if their life isn't reflecting You. Lord, if they're not embracing You every day, if they're not trusting Your power, God, if they're not living, believing on the fact that You are enough this morning, Lord, they would say, my 2020 has got to be different than my 2019. God, I'm not enough, so be my everything. Jesus, as we come into this time of response, we just ask You to speak. Lord, and as You speak to our hearts, may we respond. Give us strength and courage. We ask all this in Your precious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. This morning, Jeff is going to lead us. And as he does, if God is speaking to your heart, would you just respond to him as we sing?